is the bride of Christ. We know that we are redeemed and saved. We still are living um, in a state where the presence of sin is, is here. Hey, All Things listeners, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe and maybe even leave a comment or review. Thanks so much. Welcome everybody to All Things. I am excited today to bring to you my friend and Bible teacher, Portia Collins. Portia, thanks for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. Can you start by telling everybody who you are, where you teach the word, where you share God's word, um, you know, a little bit about your family, where you live, your context, your story? Yeah. um, So, yes, my name is Portia Collins. I am, um, I live in Greenwood, Mississippi. Um, I am a Bible teacher, a podcaster. It's always weird to talk about yourself, but I, I, it's necessary. <laughs> it is. We got to know. We got to know. Yeah, right. We got to let the people know. So um, I I founded a ministry called She Shall Be Called um, in 2016. And we basically focus, uh, the heart of our ministry is Bible literacy. Um, my, my goal, and I think even those, the board members, those have that have come alongside um, to support uh, the mission of She Shall Be Called, we would all agree that we want women to know what God God's word says, mm-hmm. um, not just for uh, the purpose of having head knowledge or um, what I call, what I like to refer to as being Debbie Do-Good or Saint, <laughs> that, not just for those purposes, mm-hmm. uh, but truly because we believe that uh, there is transformative uh, power in the word mm-hmm. of God. And um, when we take time to sit and truly sup, what I call mm-hmm. sup in the scriptures, mm-hmm. um, like that, that there's such a rich blessing in that. Um, my own personal, uh, I feel like transformation in my life, it, it happened while sitting and re- just reading the Bible. Um, and that love for God's word has grown. And I just want to share that with other women and mm-hmm. really spur them to get into the Bible that you can, you know, God has given you everything that you need to know, to study and to know his word. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we do over at She Shall Be Called. You can check it out at SheShallBeCalled.com. Um, I also serve with uh, a ministry called Revive Our Hearts. Um, a lot of people are familiar with that. This is uh, the, the teaching ministry of Nancy DeMoss Wogamuth. Um, and uh, I, I serve in a variety of capacities there, um, doing some podcasting and then also working on the development side. And so uh, my my whole life is just centered on on serving for the glory of God. And mm. I, I couldn't be more elated about it. Um, I think that it is just a privilege to be able to uh, work in this way and mm-hmm. to literally like point Jesus, point everybody to Jesus in mm-hmm. all things. And so, yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Now, wait, I got to tell you about my my team, my crew. Um, <laughs> I my husband's name is Mikhail. We've been married six years. 
Um, and we have a five-year-old daughter. Her name is Emery. She is very sassy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's the three of us, but they are, they are my joy. I love them so much. I, I love uh, being able to do life with them. Like our, our days are really, um, <laughs> I often say sitcom worthy. Okay. <laughs> like we could have, we could have our own show. Um, never, never a dull day, always eventful. Um, but yeah, I love them. Um, and like I said, we live in Greenwood and our church, um, we are members of Westminster Presbyterian here in Greenwood. Okay. Okay. So let me just ask you a quick follow-up question on that, Portia. Were you raised in a Christian home? Like, did you grow up supping on the word of God or is that something that came to you as an adult? Ooh, girl. Okay. So (laughs) this is a very interesting story. So I grew up, um, what I would say in a, you know, a religious home. My Mm -hmm. mother and my grandmother were both the organist and the pianist at our church um a a little small baptist church and so i grew up knowing about jesus learning about jesus going to church like my mama and my grandmama did not play i was in sunday school like wednesday night service sunday Mm -hmm. sunday morning and sunday evening that's (laughs) right um yeah i was there all the time and i learned about the christian faith at a very early age, but honestly, I don't believe it was until I got to college that I really understood what it meant to have a personal relationship Mm -hmm. with Christ. Um, Mm -hmm. I was prior to, um, college, I was very legalistic. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very poor understanding of salvation, um, specifically how we are saved, um, and even sanctification. And so, um, I jokingly often say that I would vacillate between these two different worlds. And so on a good day when I, I didn't cuss and I didn't lie and I didn't do all the things that you're not supposed to do, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to heaven today. Mm-hmm. And then on a day when I had completely blown it, I'm like, I am going to bust hell wide open. And so mm-hmm. I lived in that crazy what I would call chaos that double-mindedness um for so long and then when I got to college um it was really at the end of college after I had graduated but during college I was what the world refers to as living my best life doing all the things I wanted to do externally I presented the uh the image of a model citizen Mm -hmm. a model person Mm -hmm. My grades were good. Um, I went to class. I, you know, none of my teachers really had issues out of me. But behind that, the secret sin that I was living in and my heart was just crazy far from God. Um, And God brought me to the end of myself Mm -hmm. uh, through a, a series of events and trials and hardships. Um, by the time I graduated college, I felt like I just had really hit my rock bottom. Like I Mm. was like, I I even remember having moments where I like did not desire to live anymore Mm. because Mm. I was so deep in my sin. I didn't feel like there was a way out. Mm. I was just conflicted, um, just that internal warring and God 
like radically changed my life. And so um, I ended up as I was like going through these hardships and this just crazy, confusing time of life. I went back to the things that I was told you were supposed to do when I was younger. I started reading my Bible, like for real reading my Bible, because I felt like I did have hope. I, I was yeah. like, I was trying to find like a rock, a stick, something to keep me afloat. And so the only thing that I knew was like, well, open your Bible, you know, like this is what you've been told. I didn't even know what I was looking for in my Bible. Okay. So I finally got a translation that I had understood because I grew up reading King James version, but you know, everybody struggles to read old English. Okay. Right. Finally, uh, I finally felt comfortable and felt like I had permission to go get a book and a a Bible and a translation that I understood. And I remember um, that first translation was New Living Translation, which is very accessible Mm -hmm. and easy to read. And so I I would say each night in my apartment, I was like, okay, I'm just going to pick a book of the Bible to read. And so, of course, naturally, what do we do? We pick shorter books because we're like, okay, we can read that in one sitting. And this particular night I picked up, I decided I was going to read the book of Galatians. Mm-hmm. And by wow. the time I finished that book, mm-hmm. I was face to the floor, weeping, like mm-hmm. sobbing, because it was there that I finally understood what it meant to be saved by, by Jesus and what it meant to be free in mm-hmm. Christ. Like it was as if a weight like seriously had been lifted from me. Like I, I was crying out of thankfulness, out of relief, out of rejoicing because I was like, Lord, you know, I, it was just, I don't, I can't explain just the, um, the joy and Mm -hmm. the, the freedom that I experienced in that moment. And it lit a fire under me that has now consistently like pushed me toward the word of God. I just had a, a, a little, what I call a spiraling moment this weekend um, just because of some of my health issues. And I was struggling like for a minute and I really got very pessimistic and like in, in the quietness and stillness of me sitting on the couch crying, I was reminded to go to the word of God. And I was led to Psalm 13 and Psalm 27. And those places just reminded me specifically um, the verse in Psalm 27, verse 13. um, I remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Mm -hmm. like, I just held to that verse. And so that's like become a posture of life for me is soaking in the word of God, um, being transformed and renewed by the word of God, like being counseling my heart with the word of God, just it's, it's the anchor. It's a beautiful blessing, um, that God has given us to be able to know who he is through the scriptures. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so good. And I know that is true about you, Portia. When I have been with you either online or in person, something I've noticed about you is the Bible is usually open on your lap or on the desk right in front of you. And so there it is. I knew it was there. You out a shot. I could, I knew it was there. So um, I know that you really live this out and that it has been life to you. And so I thank you for the way that you then carry that life to other people. Um, and, you know, we, we met personally this past summer, but I knew about your writing before that absolutely related to what you're talking about in terms of loving the word of God, because you contributed to this book, his testimonies, my heritage. And this is a devotional book by women of color. As you um, all went through Psalm 119 Mm -hmm. and you exposited portions of Psalm 119 and then wrote a devotion on it. And so I first learned about you when I read your chapter um, in his testimonies, my heritage, but can you start by telling us um, really quickly what is Psalm 119 all about? Why is it unique? And how did it play well into this devotional book by so many different women? Well, it, it's really about what I've been talking about, the word of God. Like the entire <laughs> Psalm is about the word of God. Um, in fact, it is, man, I, I have a habit of saying that a book or a chapter is like one of my most favorite I referred to this to so many books and chapters in yes. the Bible, but Psalm 119 is one of my, my favorites. Um, it is the longest single chapter in, in the Bible. And it's what they call an acros- acrostic, can I get it out? Um, <laughs> Psalm. And that just basically means that th- this, the stanzas in this Psalm align with the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And then there are eight lines dedicated for each letter. And so eight times 22, what do you get What 176. And this is how you have this really long Psalm that is dedicated basically like to the word of word of God. Um, I was, as I was looking in my notes, I had to go back and find, um, there are so many different words that are used in this psalm to describe the word of God. So you have law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, and ordinances. And so all of those words are used like interchangeably at some point in the psalm to describe the word of God. And it's just basically, I, I feel like, the psalmist, which we don't know definitively who wrote which psalmist. Some people think it was David. Some people think it was Ezra. We don't know. But so we refer to him as the psalmist. But we see the psalmist like point to the word of God in so many different like situations um, as um, a, a place of hope, a place of looking at, you know, for the standard for righteousness, a place of delight. Um, and so, yeah, the best way to psalm it up is it to psalm it up <laughs> is that <laughs> the psalm uh, one nineteen is just about the word of God, like the blessing of of God's word and how like that is like the cornerstone for the believer. I love that. So this book, um, his testimony, my heritage, the, um, subtitle is women of color on the word of God. So last week, your dear friend, um, Jasmine Holmes kicked off black history month for us. And it was so sweet and good and rich to hear from her. She shared some wonderful history and theology with us. Oh, it was so good. Best. 
She's, she's the, the best. best. <laughs> and that's, you know, every, anybody who knows I'm, that I brought her on for Black History Month says that, oh, she's the best. She's my favorite historian, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. But in light of Black History Month and in light of this particular book, his testimonies, my heritage, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, Portia, how do those two things intersect? In other words, how does your identity as a daughter of God Mm-hmm. intersect with your identity as a black woman in America in 2021. So mm-hmm. the word of God and your heritage, who you are, um, especially in this particular time and place. Can you, I know that's a huge question, but yeah. can you give us a glimpse into that? Yeah, I, I'll definitely take a stab at it. Um, I think the the first place that I always start is God created me like me being a black woman in America in 2023 is not like oh oops you know like this is my life is intentional intentionally set by God um Mm. in the time from the time frame to the color of my skin to even my geographic you know Mm -hmm. location it's intentional and so Um, And also it is intentional that he has called me to be one of his daughters. Mm -hmm. And so I think that um, automatically, you know, that intersection is there because God designed it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that he created people in, you know, diverse ways from ethnicity to even giftings or whatever. He does that because I think it illustrates Um, more of who he is, how Mm -hmm. he is boundless in the sense of he's not bound by a specific, you know, ethnicity. He's not bound by a specific place. Like he has daughters and sons who look vastly different, um, but they are brothers and sisters in Christ and they live in different parts of the, of the world. I even think about like me and you, we are sisters and, we're, we're bonded by Christ, but we are mm-hmm. very different. You know, mm-hmm. we are very different, but I believe that God gets glory out of that being able to, um, show through us through show the world, um, his might and his strength and who he is through his daughters and sons. And so I think that's, that's my first, you know, um, roundabout, uh, answer i also think um, when i think of heritage i think think of my heritage as a black woman Mm -hmm. but i also think of what i would refer to as my christian heritage um and how the word of god there is this thread you know all throughout the word of god of how god is so near um to people who who have messed it up (laughs) royally messed it up but he um he redeems Yes. And so like when I when I think of that, like I share a bond even with like the Israelites and the mm-hmm. people that I, I read about in the Bible, like that's my heritage too, because I I've experienced the same redemption as the Israelites. I've experienced the same freedom. I've ex- experienced the same provision um that God has provided for for the people people of old as they say and so yeah um i think that there's many layers there um but ultimately like i said i don't i don't think that god just you know made a mistake and and said oh oops 
you know, this is all intentional for our, he, he designed this for our good, but ultimately for his glory. Mm, I love that. I love that you're just pointing us back to the eternal bedrock truth uh, foundation of our faith that God mm-hmm. is sovereign and good and intentional. Yep. Um, and he's also wildly creative and he wildly. creates, you know, mm-hmm. diversity in creation beyond our wildest imagination. Um, And those two things are true, that he is good and sovereign and all powerful. And also he is very creative and does all things for his glory. And he does all things with excellency. mm, And so that reminds me, even in his creation of people, he created each person with mm-hmm. excellency. In fact, God yes. created everything with excellency. And so that that reminds us, it should remind us that oh, well no one ethnicity is better than the next, you know. No, you know, nothing is superior because mm-hmm. God intentionally and with a great deal of care and excellency in cre- he created every person, every mm-hmm. tribe. Um, and so, like I said, that reminds me that we're, we, we are all important and purposeful yeah. in, um, in the mission of God in, in, in his kingdom. Mm. That's so good. It really raises the bar from our cultural standard or our cultural mm-hmm. reasoning or rationale for who we are and why we're here and what we're doing and what the purpose of life is um, yeah. to realize that we are grounded. We are rooted in the eternal creator who is also our savior who died to make us his own. And um, I think it, yeah, we look at the world and the vastness, there's 8 billion people on the planet and we feel, I think we feel small and it can feel like this is an accident or I'm not meant to be here or there's something wrong. But what's true is that the word of God is so clear that this is all on purpose for a purpose that we might bring him glory, love him and love others. Yes. So let me ask you this, Portia. Um, with the, the reality that our Lord is so creative, that he has designed every ethnicity, he has designed every each 8 billion, all 8 billion people on the planet right now, their, um, the color of their skin, the texture of their hair, the color of their eyes, the nation that they live in, their socioeconomic status. I mean, every detail has been thought through by the Lord, our God. And there is beauty in this diversity. And you and I spent time in June talking together about unity amidst diversity. Mm-hmm. So you and I agree and we we feel strongly that the word of God says we are meant to be unified in our diversity. And mm-hmm. yet we also agree this is a persistent issue yes. for the church in the United States, especially. Um, and yes. we feel that deeply. We feel that even this week. We feel mm-hmm. it's just an ache that doesn't go away. Yep. Why, Portia, from where you're sitting, your life experience and wisdom and biblical foundation, why does the the church struggle to be unified in the United States right now? Honestly, I think that because we live in the United States, we see this as a United States issue, but really it still is. It's a global issue. The church Mm. still struggles with unity and Mm -hmm. um you probably know what what my default answer is to this it's sin you know sin corrupted everything it marred everything um and so even the i would say even as the as the bride of christ we know that we are redeemed and saved 
we still are living um, in a state where the presence of sin is is here. Okay, so we no longer we're not dealing with the penalty of sin, and we don't have to you know bow to the power of sin. But right. the presence of sin has not yet been um, done away with. It will be, but not just yet. And so it's that tension of living in um, what my my pastor refers to, and many of us, you know, Bible believing folks, the already but the not yet. And so it's like being already a part of the kingdom of God, but not seeing this kingdom uh, be fully consummated. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's that's the heart of the issue right now um, in terms of seeing how hard it is for not just even the church, you know, to embrace um unity in the midst of diversity but also just the world in general like mm-hmm. the effects of sin they're they are far reaching they are far reaching i do think that as the church and when i say church for those listening you probably already know this if you're on jen's podcast but i'm just gonna <laughs> say it <laughs> to, to reiterate it i'm meaning the big c church the global yeah. church the, the bride of christ mm-hmm. i think that there's a responsibility for the church to set the tone in what it looks like to walk faithfully toward uh, where God wants us to be. And if I'm honest, I don't think that we've done a very good job of mm-hmm. setting, setting that tone, sending that message uh, to the world. I think even when I, I you know, I shared this in June, uh, I live in a, in a city that is still, in my opinion, very racially divided. Um, I live in the Mississippi Delta. In fact, for context, I live about maybe 15 miles away from where um, Emmett Till allegedly whistled at um, Carolyn Bryant at the at the grocery store. So I live about 15 miles away from where Bryant, Gro- Bryant grocery store was. Wow. Um, and you know, it's crazy because we think, oh, that happened so long ago and we're so mm-hmm. far removed from that. But there are there are remnants that I still see in my particular community. And so like me and my husband now, God recently called us um, to become members at a church where we are the only black people there. Like and most people <laughs> have been looking at us, not just not at church, but other people from the outside looking in are like y'all are crazy what are you doing like and they don't understand that because of course i'm not gonna like glamorize this and say making this decision living in greenwood mississippi where like nobody really does this okay Mm -hmm. um i'm not gonna say that we're the only ones but we are very few of people who make decisions to go into spaces where you look different you are different And so um, people, you know, there are many who are looking at us like, why would you do that? Why would you even subject yourself to being in that type of space, you know? And they don't understand that what me and my husband are are doing, we are walking into something and walking faithfully because we believe in the work of God. So no, no, it's not our responsibility. Like we didn't have to go there. Somebody could have come, you know, to where we were or 
we could have, you know, it's, it's a variety of ways that we could have proposed um, that we do this. But we specific, mm-hmm. specifically believe that God called us to walk into a different setting uh, where we're different, that's uncommon, and to begin to set the tone for um, for who he's called us to be as children of God. Mm-hmm. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be a white heaven and a black heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not the, that's not the design that, that, that God would have us to, you know, I always think about Martin Luther King. He, I think this quote comes from him and he says, 11 o'clock is the most segregated. 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. And I'm like, that's still true here in Greenwood, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a lot of, you know, diverse uh, churches. And when I say diverse, not even diverse uh, ethnic, ethnically, but also not diverse socioeconomically, you know. And so, um, yeah, me and my husband made the decision, like, if there is going, if are we really the church? Do we really believe that God calls us to set the tone in matters of race and ethnicity, in matters of what it looks like to be unified in the midst of diversity? If we truly believe that, then um, we're going to walk into this, you know, and we're going to make you know, the first step to yeah. exemplify the unity that God calls us to. And so that yeah. this is something that I think the church on the whole mm-hmm. um, should be doing more of. All too yes. often, we have just taken the comfortable seat of sitting back passively and saying, okay, no harm, no foul. You know, I'm just going to stay here in, in my little cor- corner. It's not that I'm saying that people can't, you know, come or do but I'm, I'm going to be very passive about it and I don't think that passive is a position that God wants us to continue to be in we have to be proactively looking for ways to unify the church and to exemplify what that unity looks like across diverse lines to the world yeah man I could listen to you talk about that all day Portia I'm I'm just so encouraged and exhorted and convicted and challenged by your words you have given us a really clear example of what it looks like to lay yourself down, to consider others better than yourself, to go toward rather than to wait to become to. Um, and, and you're saying, hey, the Lord is creative. The body is diverse. This is not an option. The kingdom of heaven is every tribe, tongue, and nation. Right. And um, so to be obedient to all of scripture, to God's vision for his people is to go toward those the, you are not like. And so I just appreciate that. And I pray that that really um, sinks deep down. It's, it's affecting my own heart, but every listener that we would look around at opportunities to go toward rather than to be passive or to wait. Can you, um, that was a beautiful picture and such a sweet sermon that you preached for us just then, but can you (laughs) close us out with a word of hope? I just, I love to close every episode giving us just a vision for the future, a vision of who our God is. I, mm-hmm. What we've just delved into, although we've only scratched the surface, is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so leave us with some hope and some encouragement, Portia. How can we do this? Why should we do this? Give us hope. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, let, me, uh, let me turn really quickly uh, to... The first verse that honestly is popping up into my head uh, in the book of Jude. At the end 
if I can get there, girl. I mean, Judah's one page, so it's hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, look, it gets stuck in between the other pages. It really does. Yeah, it's, it's sneaky. Um, I want to read... Um, the end of this, uh, okay. this exhortation and the, the benediction. And I feel like it is just, it's super hope filled. So picking up at verse um, 20 in Jude, it says, but you dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I, I picked that because I think in it, um, we hear everything that we need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We hear everything that we need to hear. There are going to be moments, first of all, the call to being a Christian is not easy. Um, The call to execute the things that God is calling us to do is not easy. Sometimes we are scared. Sometimes we miss the mark. We mess it up. Mm -hmm. And I feel like here we get a lot of points, you know, first keeping ourselves in the love of God, remembering Mm -hmm. love God, love people. Love covers a multitude of sins. And so what I think about, if if we really keep that at the forefront of our minds, then we begin to live out a a posture of life that is filled with, of course, love, but also with lots of grace and mercy and hope. Um, It's almost like a, a, uh, I guess you could say, a constant optimism that you and it's not based on the things of the world but it's an optimism based on the promises of God and so um I encourage you know people to really understand that God is there to provide the power the strength that you need to carry out um living your life as a believer um there is mercy you know, from him, but also there is mercy from other true brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in Christ. There's mercy and there's grace. Um, And ultimately knowing that the ways that, that we are called to live and living that out when we are true and sincere in that and really seeking to, um, to take what I would say, take our loaves and fishes and mm-hmm. bring it before God so that he can multiply. I truly believe that he is glorified in that. Yeah. I believe, and as it as it concludes at the end of this, this particular bu- book, all of the glory, you know, is to him mm-hmm. now and forever. And so I think that um, for me, that that's, that's an anchor of hope right there, knowing that 
God leaves us words like this to remind us, like, it's going to be hard. There are going to be moments where you're going to have to walk into some sticky situations. You know, our, our, the, the garment is meaning in here where it talks about the garment defiled by the flesh, our flesh. You know, we're walking into some situation where the presence, presence of sin is heavy. Mm-hmm. We are not alone. We are not mm-hmm. left without resources. We are not left without hope. We are not left without love. And so we um, can employ those things to work and serve faithfully to the glory of God. Mm, That is so good, Portia. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, right? And he dwells in us. So that that is really significant hope. Thank you, Portia, for sharing your wisdom, the word of God, and just your perspective and your experience and your your bravery and your persistence to um, honor the Lord in your context. We are grateful. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Portia. And thank you all for listening to All Things. Thanks so much for taking time to listen to All Things with me, Jen Oshman, where we look at current events and cultural trends through a Christian lens. All Things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.